Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Pastor Jonathan Mason, and I want to welcome you back to the pastor's office. What a joy it is to be with you on this Sunday afternoon. Uh, got a lot of, I think half of Philadelphia is uh, heading to Texas, uh, or has already arrived in Texas, uh, to see what's going to happen with the Eagles and the Cowboys. Uh, but we're still here in Philadelphia. Things still have to go forward in Philadelphia, and we are just happy to be with you on this afternoon. Listen, we are in the midst of the Advent season. Uh, that is the coming of Christ. And as you go and you shop for your Christmas gifts, I want you to remember what this season is all about. This season is all about Jesus Christ. So let's not get so busy uh, on Amazon at Best Buy and Macy's and looking for gifts for people who aren't even thinking about us. But let us take some time to think about Jesus Christ, the fact that God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what this season is all about. Hey, listen, I'm glad to be with you this afternoon. You know, uh, we... During the campaign season here in Philadelphia, uh, during the primary and during the regular election season, uh, we had many of the candidates for mayor and city council uh, on the show, uh, simply because I absolutely believe uh, that this next administration must be transformational. Uh, if Philadelphia is to achieve uh, its goals is to reach its full potential, uh, is to cancel down so much of this violence, gun violence uh, and crime. This next administration, both mayor and city council, and watch this, and community have to be transformational. Well, after talking to all of the candidates, after actually as a radio station hosting uh, a candidate's forum for our city council members, Philadelphia, made its decision in, New in November. And I want you to be clear that the election itself was transformational. Not only was it transformational, but it was historic as well. Listen to this. Rue Landau will become the first openly LGBTQ member of the Philadelphia City Council. Nina Ahmad will become the first South Asian member and the first immigrant in recent memory to become a member of the Philadelphia City Council. 
And then let's look at the position of mayor. The first female mayor. The one took 99 mayors to get it right. First female mayor of Philadelphia who happens to be African-American as well. Sherelle Parker will be sworn in in January. This, my brothers and sisters, Philly's favor, was a transformational and historic election. To that end, I want to welcome into the pastor's office for the very first time your new city council member at large, Nina Ahmad. Council member at large, elect Ahmad, welcome into the pastor's office. How are you? Thank you so much. I am well. Thank you for having me, uh, Pastor Mason. It is always a pleasure to speak to our community leaders, uh, whom so many look to for guidance, as will I. So I appreciate your time for having me on. Well, we're excited to speak to you, and I want to jump right in. Uh, First of all, and looking at your history, uh, you ended up here in in Pennsylvania, and I'll let you tell your story, but you came here to go to school, uh, you fell in love with the city. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your background, just so some of our mem- some of our listeners who may not know Nina Ahmad will become familiar with you. Absolutely. Um, so I came here to go to school, as you said, uh, I got my PhD at the University of Pennsylvania, but I'm an immigrant from far, far away, and uh, that's a tiny little country called Bangladesh, and I actually lived through the war of liberation that created the country. So I have a very unique lens of being uh, a young person during a very horrific war. Three million people were killed in nine months, and over 250,000-plus women and girls were sexually brutalized as a tool of war. We're, ha- we're seeing this right now in, in happening again uh, in different parts of this world. It, um, that women and girls have been used uh, has always left that deep um, impression on me that we have to fight, fight that kind of oppression. And uh, so my political lens and my moral lens really has been uh, completely founded because of that experience I had as a child. And when I, when I look at my trajectory, starting from there, coming here, this was, for me, uh, a brand new beginning to come here, get an education, and get a very excellent education uh, to be able to put down my roots here to start a family. My husband and I have been married for 38 years. We have two daughters who are, you know, doing well. They are studying. Uh, one is in uh, first year in law school at Temple. The other, the other, the older one is in Brooklyn in medical school in her third year. We've been blessed. Uh, we have a, my husband and I have a business together. Um, I have been able to become a deputy mayor in the city uh, when in first uh, term of Jim Kenney. Uh, I have been appointed by President Obama uh, to serve on a federal uh, API commission. I mean, I pinch myself. How only in this country is it possible to come from where I am, where I was, to be where I am today? And And that is a huge thank you to... Um, Philadelphians, who embraced me, who supported me. I don't have an extended family here. It is Philadelphians, my neighbors, who have supported me, helped me raise my my girls, 
And I'm forever grateful for that. I'm deeply, deeply grateful. Well, I've got to tell you, I mean, you are the perfect picture of paying it forward, paying back uh, the blessings that have been given to you. We talk about that on the show here all the time about, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Uh, and Absolutely. you and you have actually uh, given back a lot to the city of Philadelphia, to the people uh, of the city of Philadelphia. Now, you've had a journey to get to city council. Uh, tell mm-hmm. our listeners a little bit about the other campaigns that you ran uh, prior right. to ending up here uh, at this point in your life. So I I ran for lieutenant governor um, in 2018, and that was a very rushed campaign, which had begun in a congressional race, but the district I was running in was sort of disappeared because of redistricting. So that's when I had, that was my first foray into politics ever, uh, except for being a committee person in our ninth ward here. I still am a uh, second division committee person there. And so uh, when my congressional seat disappeared, I hadn't even formally been a candidate yet in terms of being on a ballot or anything. I jumped into the lieutenant governor's race because people told me, you know, you got some, it seems like you made an impact already. Why why don't you go in there? And very foolhardy <laughs> in retrospect. Um, when you think about the race had already been going on for a while, there were five candidates, um, including me, who were in there, and they were four of us were from southeast Pennsylvania, including me from Philadelphia, where our sitting lieutenant governor was also from Philadelphia. Um, so in spite of all of these, I had uh, 11 weeks to run a statewide race where, you know, I had never done that before. Uh, we had a I had a week to get my signatures from all over Pennsylvania. And so that was a trial by fire. Uh, I did not, obviously did not win the primary, but I came in second. I was, and I look back on it, that is just completely amazing to me that I was able to get that far. And that was because of, I think, people got my message of being clear, transparent, authentic, and saying, oh, we needed to bring that level of clarity and authenticity to our government. Um, so that experience led me to my next uh, uh, role, which was running for Auditor General. Uh, however, that race was run, started off without a pandemic, landed up running in a deep pandemic. Uh, in fact, our primary um, was moved because of the pandemic into June, early June. And um, that also had six uh, candidates. I was the only one from Philadelphia, and Philadelphians showed up for me. I won that primary, even in spite of all these difficulties. Uh, However, in the general, I was not able to prevail. We lost our straight ticket voting uh, when we got our mail-by vote um, uh, opportunity. That was a trade-off. Um, I also did not have resources because I had spent so much in the primary. And, um, you know, the, the country was really uh, behind our, pres- and our, our Democratic nominee for president. And so we did not get the amount of uh, attention, I think, or we could have gotten if it were different circumstances. I am very pleased that we got President Biden. It changed the trajectory of our country. Um, 
but I I was not able to prevail. But I got over three million votes, most any person of uh, woman of color had ever received in this state. So while I didn't um, win, I made a lot of cracks in that ceiling for someone else to go after me. And then finally, I said, this is it. This is the seat that in, in the uh, primary for this race for city council at large, having served as a deputy mayor before, I really felt this was really the best fit of all the things I've done. And, um, and I was so excited to run in the city that has embraced me and supported me. And uh, so this is, as you said, paying it forward for me. This is a labor of love for me. I'll take every barb that anybody sends my way because I know I can do something to further equity in our city, to understand how we dismantle uh, race-based problematic policies we have. All of those things I look forward to uh, working on and working with my our entire council to push Philadelphia forward. You're in the pastor's office with Pastor Jonathan Mason. We're here talking with council member at large elect Nina Ahmad, a history maker, history maker, first immigrant uh, uh, to be elected to city council, first South Asian member to be elected to city council. So now uh, uh, you're, you're, you're on on the verge of being sworn in. Uh, to the city council of Philadelphia. Uh, now we've got to take promises into execution, into practice. Uh, and there were a lot of things that you campaigned on uh, when yeah. you ran for office. Uh, one of yeah. them was dealing with uh, an economy, uh, creating an economic turnaround uh, yeah. uh, for the citizens of Philadelphia who really need a boost. Talk to us a little bit about what day one looks like in council. What are you going to be fighting for in that area? So multiple things. Um, one of the things, in addition to the description you gave of me, I'm a scientist. Um, since Joe Coleman, we haven't had a scientist on council. So I am very much evidence-based looking at what has worked, what did not work, where are we putting our tax dollars, and how are we getting a return on these investments we're making? So that's very critical in how I'll shape what policy I'm going to propose. Um, looking at issues, when you think about the economic development, we have had an enormous growth in science, technology, in, you know, in what we call eds and meds in the city of Philadelphia. However, that prosperity has not reached some of our communities. And I want to be front and center in creating those workforce pipelines, understanding what are the needs in the industry, finding out in our communities who have the aptitudes to be there, and making sure we have a straight line to that. When I was a scientist at the bench at Thomas Jefferson University, I used to work at Wilsey Hospital, I actually put this into practice. Um, you don't have to have a PhD to be in science and technology, uh, in a science and technology job. There are many, many rungs to um, this whole uh, area of work. So I had a young man who was uh, somebody I knew, whose a family I knew. He was at Blue Sands, and parents were, mother was worried that he would go off in a wrong direction. I had a need for what is called a lab dishwasher in my laboratory. And um, 
that's not just washing the glassware. That is actually using uh, equipment, which is quite dangerous to operate unless you learn how to do that, uh, to sterilize the equipment uh, in an autoclave machine. Uh, I had Michael come. He learned, uh, you know, what he had to do. That kind of training allows you to then, if you're interested, sit for a test to be a state uh, certification to become um, someone who works in, uh, known as a sterilization technician. Once you do that, you have openings to jobs at fifty to seventy thousand dollars in hospitals. So here's someone with a high school diploma whose world could open up. And I want to look at people who have associate's degrees, who are on their way to getting college maybe, or even not, um, getting engaged in that segment of our economy. So I want to sit down with our companies, sit down with those who are in this space, because I will actually know how to speak their language and know what they're talking about when they are describing these jobs. And I can peel away what people think are barriers to say, here, let's go to this high school and get these folks ready for uh, for this job in a few years. How are we going to make that happen? So that's the sort of approach I want to use in this specific sector. Uh, there's many more things I, I'm looking at in terms of the economy, but I'll just stop here. Well, well, let, well you know you what? You know I can talk forever. No, but that's fine, <laughs> and that's that's all right. We want a good dialogue. What about small business, though? Because that was Absolutely. a major theme uh, yes. uh, that I spoke with all the candidates about during the primary and the regular election. Small business suffered during the pandemic, and yes. and un, even though it's not in the headlines, many small businesses are still hurting. How do we help them? Absolutely. So we need to look at what are the needs of small businesses? You know, one of the big needs is, is having investment of capital, right? And how do we make sure they have access to that capital? Who's going to get, you know, when they go to get their bank loan, how, how are they going to be presented in order for them to be counted as a reliable source to invest in from, you know, to give a loan in from the bank's perspective? These are skill sets and toolkits that we can provide for our small businesses, assessing where they are. In my office, I'm actually hiring someone who is going to have a small business lens. So we are going to go up and down the business corridors to actually uh, find what are the tools that are needed and then connect our small businesses to those tools. But more importantly, it's also mentoring people in that space. Lots of people have great ideas, and then how to go from the idea to actual fruition is a path, is a journey, needs to have some skills developed, and we have ways to make that happen. So I am going to, as I said, hiring someone. In fact, just as we were talking, I was texting with her uh, to make sure we are good and she is ready to join my team uh, and talking about this issue of small businesses. While I was... Um, on my campaign trail, you know, I, I, I met a lot of people, and those are the tools, those, those are the uh, contacts that I've been picking up to say, I need you to be in a committee for me to say, to put the uh, capital folks together with the bank folks together, with the actual small business people together to create and come up with pathways that we can develop and create 
for success in these spaces. One of the other spaces where small businesses are really important for those of our Philadelphians returning uh, from being incarcerated. It is very hard to get jobs in uh, spaces where your record is held against you. Many a time, they, um, these are folks who can really thrive in a small business environment. And making sure we are creating that pathway for them, figuring out what are the tools they need. In fact, I want to talk to our uh, prison system that we can identify people who are about to be released to actually develop the skill set before while they're there, while they are incarcerated, to look at how we create those opportunities as well. Okay, so so uh, uh, a couple things I want to get to. Again, we're in the pastor's office talking with council member at large elect Nina Ahmad, uh, kind of getting one uh, her background uh, so that we can know who we have now elected as our city council member at large, but also what she's looking forward to working on. A uh, uh, council member at large elect Ahmad, uh, Kevin Bethel, just a couple weeks ago was announced uh, as uh, Sherelle Parker's pick for the next next police commissioner, uh, a man with a wealth of experience here in the city of Philadelphia, uh, former deputy commissioner, uh, head of schools, public safety, now taking on the reins of this police department. Uh, it's clear that morale needs to raise uh, within the police department. We're losing so many members. I think uh, right now uh, they're down a thousand or more police officers over the last uh, few months going into this new year. What, we need police officers in order to deal with the community, in order to deal with the violence that we have going on. Uh, talk to us about your plans to help uh, engage with the police commissioner, the police department, the community to bring about a safer Philadelphia. Absolutely. I, uh, I know uh, Commissioner Bethel from my previous time in the city. I have watched how he has gone on, you know, to get a lot more training in looking at how we have long-term solutions to our issues around crime. Um, you know, while we have to address the short in the short time, people who are hurting people, I get that. We need to do that. We need to have uh, a police force that is well-resourced to be able to do that. We have to institute community policing so people actually know their officers who are walking the beat. And the officer will know, you know, Johnny in this house versus Mary in that house, how, how things are going. And that only comes when you walk the beat and you know your community members. Uh, but long term, we have to address poverty because um, at the root of all of this is when you feel that people, you know, the world is leaving you behind. Um, many a time, particularly young people, will use whatever tools they have at their disposal to get attention. And we need to address that head on. When you think about people, uh, young people getting access to guns so easily to settle their beefs, people have always had beef, they're going to have beef. We need to have mental health resources to know how we can resolve our differences without resorting to violence. That means we need to have access to mental health care. That has been a platform in what I've talked about when I ran is how are we going to make sure that we, we teach our young people, we teach everybody, not just young people, our society, to know how to uh, settle issues without resorting to violence. And, and there, 
by that I mean that having access to those mental health care tools. Um, I've spoken to Commissioner Bethel to say our police force needs to be supported also with mental health care resources. Uh, the amount of uh, danger they go into unknowing what is going to face them um, can put you in a frame of mind where, you know, you react more than you're able, you know, you react in ways that can cause more trouble, right? So we need to make sure our police officers, our cadets particularly, coming in, get those mental health resources so they're equipped to know how to de-escalate, how to know where they're going into, and matching that with community policing and making sure we are putting resources in our schools to make sure there are counselors in our schools. You can spot, you know, if you have enough resources, if the teacher knows the child and it's a small enough class, you know who's having trouble. You know who these folks are. So we need to preempt these before they become the statistic that we all are concerned about. And I am deeply hopeful knowing that we live in this first world country. I come from a third world war. And I can tell you, I am just amazed that we have allowed, shocked, I would say horrified, that we are where we are today, that we have allowed our children to not have every resource that this really rich country should be able to afford. I can't agree with you more. Uh, as we prepare to close down this conversation, and I've really enjoyed speaking with you, uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation that you are uh, a history maker, uh, but you're a part of a group of history makers that are coming into office right now. And uh, I'd be remiss if I did not ask your thoughts about your level of excitement uh, to be working with your new councilmates, to be working with the first female mayor uh, of, of Philadelphia. I mean, we are really, truly in historic times. And again, with the right level of collaboration and teamwork, I really believe the city can be transformed. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, you know, this new uh, city council coming in, we all pretty much know each other in some uh, fashion. I've worked with Ruby for Kathy Gilmore. Uh, I worked with Isaiah when he was running, you know, supporting him when he was running for council. Uh, I know our council pre incoming council president, uh, Kenyatta Johnson, you know, um, we've worked together before on gun violence issues. I know Councilman uh, Curtis Jones. Uh, I mean, literally, we can name everybody. Um, the two people I don't know as well are Jay Young and um, Ketsi Lozada, but I do did know, you know, obviously I know Maria Quinones, and Ketsi and I have already talked, and so have Jay, Jay and I've gone to his district to see some of the opportunities there. So, uh, uh, you know, I can name every council member and I can tell you uh, there's some intersection and we're all excited to work together on some of the big initiatives that can move city forward. And speaking about our mayor, I'm from the Northwest. Um, mayor like Sherelle Parker, from, you know, she's the 50th uh, ward leader. The 50th ward is where I've always received my largest number of votes in the entire city. So that is a relationship that precedes all of this. Uh, I'm deeply proud of what the Northwest is, and I hope the rest of the city, uh, we can bring some parts of what we've done here to the rest of the city. And I'm very uh, excited and I'm very confident 
that um, our mayor, our new mayor, is going to make some uh, big strides. She has the vision, and I think she'll have a lot of support from many of us on council. Um, that when you know, obviously, when everything aligns, we will move forward in a very positive manner. Well, I, I want to congratulate you on your win. Uh, we're looking forward to the work that you will do in council uh, with all of those that you have mentioned. Uh, and as you take office uh, and get ready to serve, I want you to know that Philly's favor is here for you. Uh, so if we can be of support to you as, uh, as you strive to get messages out to Philadelphians, we reach an exclusive audience here. We reach people that love gospel music and we're the last ones left in Philadelphia. Uh, so, so we are here and we are all in this together. We want to see a safer, greener uh, Philadelphia uh, that has economic opportunities for everybody. So council. You got, you got it down fast. And I, I was remiss. I was remiss in not mentioning my own city council member, uh, Cindy Bass, who I've been friends with many, many years. So I look forward to all of us working together. She's my uh, been my council member, and in fact, I was uh, worked with her when she was running for this office. So um, I forgot to mention her. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned her too. No problem whatsoever, ma'am. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you and, and your family, you. and may God continue to bless you. Thank you so much, and and, and best to your listening audience. Thank you so uh, have much. Have a blessed um, holiday season. Thank you, ma'am. Let's take a little time and talk now. About the state that we are living in mm. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you're while listening to Phyllis Faber yeah. Take a minute, turn the radio yeah. up And take a seat in the pastor's office Right Where the frequency, yeah. tune in Get a word with Reverend Jonathan Mason Son.